can uh, hold on to those books and open to the Belgic Confession of Faith, Article 20, which you can find on page 862, 862, the Belgic Confession of Faith, as we continue on in this preaching series. Uh, this is a short article, Article 20. We'll read there on page 862. Listen carefully to the word uh, of our uh, confession, which is a faithful summary, a very powerful, very pithy summary of uh, this important concept in the scripture, the, the justice and mercy of God in Christ. Critical biblical theme that stretches out across all the scripture and finds its, you know, its connection point in the cross. Uh, very beautiful. It says, we believe that God, who is perfectly merciful and also very just, sent his son to assume the nature in which the disobedience had been committed in order to bear in it the punishment of sin by his most bitter passion and death. So God made known his justice toward his son, who was charged with our sin, and he poured out his goodness and mercy on us, who are guilty and worthy of damnation, giving to us his son to die by a most perfect love and raising him to life for our justification in order that by him we might have immortality and eternal life. Let's turn our attention now to um, likely a verse that you have memorized, one that speaks to this so plainly, very beautiful, one to meditate on often in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16. We'll read this short section, which goes to verse 21. And you can hear in it uh, such a plain, such a plain uh, layout of these truths that we're meditating on today. God's mercy and justice, the scandal of the cross that God gives the life of Christ for us. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So far from God's holy word. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God never gets stuck between you know, two options. He's not paralyzed by decision making. Sometimes you know, we, we vacillate over decisions and we're paralyzed by the options of life. Well, God is never forced into a bad decision. Uh, uh, never, never forced where uh, uh, he's pinned and, and has to choose you know, the lesser of, of two evils or, or gets caught in, a, you know, in something that he really didn't want. 
God has never had to relax his commitment to perfect justice in order to show mercy. And he has never perverted justice, you know, to make his mercy great. His mercy is great and his justice uh, is without flaw. And this is something incredible in our eyes who so often feel that we have to bend one to satisfy the other. You know, I don't want to be mean, so I have to, you know, you know, sort of give up justice, you know, to be, to, to be nice, to show mercy, or, you know, I, I want to punish someone and I forget, you know, I forget all mercy and, and expose my hypocrisy and become cruel and hypocritical in my judgments. God is not like a man that he ever has to act this way. In all his justice, God has never forgot or abandoned his strong mercy. He has great compassion and love, forgiveness and favor. And this, this beautiful divine truth about God is something that, that we wrestle with uh, as we uh, pour over the whole gospel. It shows everywhere his mercy and his justice uh, in all their perfection. So these are very connected. You can see how they're connected in the incarnation. Last week, we marveled at the way that God joined a truly divine nature with truly human nature in Jesus, right? In one perfect person. And that's mysterious, and it's a masterpiece, and it has to do with God's mercy and justice. How can God do justice related to sinful humanity unless he punishes the sins of humanity? Uh, as, as, uh, as justice requires. And we read here the way that Jesus uh, becomes human so that God can properly bring uh, salvation. He can do justice and pour out mercy by way of the death and resurrection of his son. This is a very powerful Christian truth, one that we must know and understand. God brings together in one person what would otherwise feel worlds apart, Perfect mercy and perfect justice brought together in Jesus Christ. So at the cross, Jesus Christ, the perfect Savior, satisfied God's perfect justice in his own passion and death so that sinners could receive God's perfect mercy and goodness in him. This is our constant meditation. But this is, it's all bound up in Jesus, who is the supreme center Right, preeminent in our salvation. And we, we can't say it enough. You know, he is the center of this redeeming purpose. And he is the one in whom mercy and justice meet on the cross. So we want to talk about God's perfect justice to begin. You know, it's our public profession to the world. Christ crucified. The, the apostles, you know, wherever they go, this is the only thing that we can focus on because this is where all salvation is pointing. We must proclaim Christ and his crucifixion, the golden truth at the heart of the Christian religion. We can't understand Christianity apart from the cross. And especially on the cross, God's perfect justice against the sins of humanity is satisfied, satisfied in Jesus. God's condemnation, right, this, this verdict, guilty, this verdict in the courtroom of God was heavy on us and we would have perished under it. But God instead condemned and punished Jesus in our place. 
out of his incredible love, you know, the, the, the love of God that is uh, above anything we can begin to imagine shows so clearly, most clearly in this, that he gave his son for us. We would have perished otherwise. But God condemned and punished Jesus in our place. In Romans, Paul confirms this thought, right? That God's forbearance withheld the outbreak, uh, his just retaliation against all sin, the sin that provokes him to anger. He withheld, he, he held back, and he poured it out instead on his son. What should have hit us, you know, as the, as the you know, targeted missile of God's justice, he held back and instead poured out that wrath on his own son. This is powerful. You know, the gospel writer here understands just how perfectly, just how incredibly God has done this. You know, many people accuse God of, you know, falling asleep at the wheel, of failing at his job. You know, how could, how could God be so cruel or indifferent? How could God let bad things happen to good people? How could God allow disasters in the world? They haven't considered, not truly, what we have read in the gospel. That, that God has poured out curse and disaster, condemnation and ruin on Jesus for our sake. And, and we have this, this hypocritical and irresponsible attitude about God. You know, he didn't give me the, you know, the job I wanted or he didn't, give, you know, he didn't give me the things that I wanted in life. We haven't considered what God has done. And the power of his punishment when he traded the life of Jesus for our life. When Jesus gets the disaster, when Jesus gets the, the condemnation, the death that we deserve, so that we can receive the favor, the mercy, the love of God. This is incredible. That just punishment that should have fallen on us, he drops with its full force on Jesus. You know, we, we have a way of, of talking about justice. We, we sort of open with this thought that, that our sense of justice in human terms is very skewed. You know, we, we want justice that works for us. You know, justice that, that lands with full force on others for their uh, offenses against me, for the wicked things that they have done. Uh, but we, we really can't, we can't stomach the thought that that same standard would be applied to us. We spent a little bit of time with this in Romans 2 last week, a little bit of time with this. Uh, we think about you know, the teaching of Jesus, you know, the, the, the log in our eye. We, we want to fix the specks of others. We are, we're skewered by the gospel for our hypocrisy as it, relates, as it relates to true justice. That, that we justify ourselves so readily we put, we put our own you know, sins in the most favorable light and the sins of others we, we attack uh, and we want to see them crushed uh, for their sins. And, and we have an unbalanced scale. I think about you know, the, the justice uh, you know, of, of sinful men. The, I, I can barely watch the news. Injustice, injustice, you know, double standards all over. Double standards in politics, double standards, uh, you know, again and again and again. This world doesn't know justice and can't comprehend 
the justice of God, the supreme judge. And God is not, you know, our attack dog. You know, we, we pray that God would do justice against those people that sin against us. But we, we could never stand up to that same standard for ourselves. We, we can't imagine the purity of God. It's not possible. It's not possible for God to ever turn away from truth and justice. God will remember and God will properly judge every word and action, every muttered word under our breath, disrespect to parents and authorities around us, the slightest laziness and neglect of those things that he commands us to do, neglect of worship, neglect of his table, neglect in all areas of life, the, the, you know, the sort of the, the disdain for others, but care and attention to ourselves. God will settle all accounts by his perfect standard. And for mortal mankind, that moment you know, when the car runs out of gas and the full story of our lives is, is, you know, is gathered up in death and judgment, it says in Ecclesiastes, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. This is what God is preparing. And the scale of it is greater than we can begin to count. And God has all of it exactly in order. Is our heart, you know, is your heart prepared for that day? Confident? Could we be confident, uh, you know, proud and vain like the world? You know, never made a single mistake? Not possible. Even... Even the unbelievers, well, you know, I just want the good to outweigh the bad is about the best that, that most unbelievers uh, will, will bring. You know, are we certain? Have we, have we perfectly controlled our tongues even on the worst moments of our lives? Think of the sins of our words. Were our eyes in perfect control, never lusting after what we saw, never, never uh, fixing on those things that we covet? In others, are we sure that our minds were always in total discipline, never wandering into hatred and disdain for others, into pride, gossip and resentment of others, records of wrongs? No, we know that sin has infected us completely. It's been in our hearts. It's been in our words. It's under our fingernails. It's between our toes. And God sees everything all of it, and his justice will bring every deed to light, every hidden thing. Romans 2, we've been meditating on recently, the secrets of the hearts of men, they're, they're wide open to him without partiality. The Bible tells us what God is like for our comfort. His judgment and his justice are real, but the, the, the whole scripture rejoices in the real character of God. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. This balance in God is there. All of the mercy of God, this is you know, the title of this sermon, all of his mercy, all of his justice, none of it neglected. No sin will remain. 
No debt against his justice will stand unpaid. No truth can stay locked down and suppressed. No aggressor will stand. No sinner will live forever. God will settle all accounts. His law is a wrecking ball against sin. It does not coddle. It is not sentimental. It's not partial. Evil will be crushed under the, you know, the weight, as it were, of, of God's cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And when that reality has sunk in powerfully, our passage drives us to the cross. It drives us to the truth of his salvation. The pivotal moment of all space and time, Christ crucified. The God who loves so much against the weight of, of our sins and all of the justice that's, that's driving to crush those sins. There is something so incredibly powerful happening in this statement. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We have downplayed his justice and we have not understood his love and mercy. And we're coming to understand the longer that we walk with the Lord what the good news is really about. That his justice is flawless but his love is so great that we need not fear the condemnation of our sins. Not one you know, tiny pebble, not one little weight is taken off. But we, we, don't, we don't have to tremble and melt in fear anymore. God has lifted all that weight off of our shoulders. From that point, from that moment that we have come to know the truth about God, that he would give his son for us, we have assurance and confidence relief, comfort that lifts our spirit that, that now forever opens up our mouths in praise to God. From the cross, our sins go no further. God's justice is satisfied. God quenches the flames of his burning anger against sin. And all of that is quenched when Jesus is punished for our sake. This is the best awful news we've ever had. That perfect Jesus suffers for our sake. It's very bittersweet. You know, how can we celebrate underneath the cross, right? It's very bittersweet for us as a church. How can we celebrate at the table that is remembering the death of Jesus for us? We have to. We have to glory in the cross. We absolutely must be moved by that message. That every failure of ours, right, every stolen dime and every moment of our employer's time that we wasted and every failure at the expense of our spouse and every idle word and every proud action, every snapback word that we've spoken against others, willful sins against God, neglecting that we all in the list goes on to the point that we would be mentally broken by the weight of our sins. You know, like it's easy to swipe the credit card and then it's like the bill comes and it's like, I did, I, I know I did all of this. I, I, I know that I spent all this money, but when it's all added together, it's a disaster. More than we can comprehend. All of, all of the weight of our sins paid. All of the debt against the justice of God 
lifted off of us. The burden is lifted. God loves us so much that his purpose in sending a son in the flesh, uh, uh, his own son, it's not to condemn the world. It's to proclaim good news to the poor, right? To To the blind and the deaf and the lame and the prisoner. We are crippled by our sins and there's hope for us. God's justice is not cracked. God's justice is paid. God's justice is not swept under the rug. God's justice is satisfied. Better news than let's just try harder. Let's just, you know, train a little more, jump a little higher, climb a little higher, and hope that that will be enough, you know, to get above the water of the flood of his, uh, of his judgment. That's not the message. The message is satisfaction. The message is peace. The message is the lifting of our condemnation. When we eat and drink at his table, as we did today, the message is there. Jesus takes the burning, stinging anguish that was designated to us, and he he absorbs all of it for our sake. We are fed, and we are satisfied, and we are perfected in him. The list of our charges reads, satisfied. Our criminal case is closed. If you don't know with certainty that your sins are paid for, you don't know Jesus. If you don't know with certainty, then it's time to appeal to Christ. It's time to appeal to God to repent and to have finally the assurance and the satisfaction that God has paid so extravagantly, that God has done so openly, and that he wants proclaimed before the whole world. There is no hope apart from him, but there is sure salvation in Jesus. And it's for us to know God loves us so deeply, so much, that this is what he does. If you don't know that you've been cleared of all charges, if you aren't confident of that today, it's time to take heart in Christ, to put your trust in him, to believe in him. This is to have the burden lifted. And it's what God has afforded us. He didn't didn't pay the life of Jesus so that we could cower under condemnation. But we believe and we have satisfaction. It's beautiful. We We have come into the light, is how John says it here. No condemnation anymore. We've come into the light, truly, when we've come to know Jesus. And so God in his justice never relents. It says in Hebrews 10, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Those outside of Christ need to know there's no escaping. There's no running from it. There's no climbing out of it. There's no no deal to be made. But with Jesus, there is favor like a shield. There is pleasure and joy and peace with him. The contrast couldn't be more clear, and it's clear in John chapter 3. Condemnation for those outside of Christ. Life forever, light and salvation with him. This is beautiful. Jesus, the refuge. Jesus, the ransom. God's perfect mercy is now poured out in its full measure. We sing sometimes, you know, did ever, did ever such love and sorrow meet, right, as in, as in the cross of Jesus? 
This is where this is where mercy and justice are wedded. This is the the place of transfer where sinners transfer their iniquity, their their stains, their guilt to Jesus. It's the only place where God could ever have accepted that that transaction at the cross. The son that he sent in the flesh for our salvation, filling all. Jesus is like us in his human nature. That's what we meditated on last week. He's like us to save us. And in fact, now is our priest forever. And God, because of him, sees us as completely pure, as righteous, as the objects of his favor. It's a merciful scandal to go from owing that bottomless debt to his justice to having satisfaction and righteousness overflowing. It's the most dramatic exchange in all of history. God now sees us as righteous, as the objects of his favor, as his own children. Christ's goodness for our rottenness. And this is the exchange that God was ready to make. This is the one that he said, yes, I will pay it. I want them as my own. These are the ones for whom I'll give my son. The election of God is beautiful. That God would make that, uh, he would make that exchange. That God would choose sinners for himself and say, I want them. My love demands their purchase. And I give as payment my own son. This is an incredible and beautiful gospel. His goodness for our, uh, for our rottenness. Blessed is the man, said David, right? Blessed is the man, Psalm 32, against whom God does not count his iniquity, you know, against whom God counts no sin. We are in that blessed position because of Jesus. You know, what, what is it like? What is it like to look at this exchange? I mean, imagine, they say some millions of people have poured across the southern border, right? Enough, like, I, I forget, I think they compared it to, like, the population of Baltimore, can you imagine, just imagine, this is not even a political statement, it's just a, a, a humanity, right, uh, on the move. If every single person in the entire city of Baltimore said, you know what, I love these people, I want, I want to trade places with them, I want them to have my house and my job and my life. Every single person in the entire city, head for head, said, I want for them, I want for them to have this gift, I love them. I, I, we would, I don't even know what, what, if the world could handle it. I don't think we could handle uh, a, a news like that. It would be impossible, just impossible. What is this news like that God would give his son for us? That he would take his beloved, you know, his beloved child. Could, could we give up, you know, us and our children? Give up your home so that they can benefit, so that they can have a place Give up everything so that it can be theirs. Trade with them. This is what God does for us. This is incredible. We've never, we've never heard of anything like this. We can't imagine it happening at this level. And, you know, to trade one Baltimore from some people to other people, what is that compared to the priceless Son of God? What is that for the, the people that are to be, you know, beyond number? The stars in the sky or the sand in the seashore. 
What God has done in value, what God has done in exchange, is mind-boggling. The, the only Son of God for us. God has always been perfectly merciful. It was his loving desire to be gracious, to show favor to idolatrous, self-serving sinners, to send the, the beautiful, perfect, humble son to drink down the whole cup of, of his wrath for us to the last drop so that he could pronounce with certainty, nailed to the cross, it's finished. This is, it is, a, it is a, a completed atonement. It's satisfied. Up until Christ, we couldn't, we couldn't buy from God. We couldn't, with all of our you know, added you know, wealth together, we couldn't buy from God an ounce, not one drop of mercy. We couldn't earn any of it. And now there is no way, through faith in Jesus, there is no way that any power, anyone, anywhere, can stop the continual flow of God's mercy and his love and his favor and his forgiveness to us. That is dramatic. That is something for us to meditate on every day. What the whole wealth of all the world cannot buy, not a, not a single speck, now, the, all the power of the world and all the hatred of the world and all the shame of the world cannot take away God's favor from us. There is no condemnation for us. There is light and there is a future for God's people. This is astounding. It's an incredible gospel. And no power can shake it anymore. This is God's purpose. His love is set on us for this reason. Beautiful. Then our lives, for the present, we feel all kinds of losses and troubles. For the present, we suffer. You know, we, have, we have bad news on top of bad news. We have troubles on top of troubles. We have hurts on top of hurts. We have cares and concerns about our children and their future. We have cares and concerns about our family, our parents, uh, and their condition. We have cares and concerns about strains and trials all kinds of, of pressures on us, internal and external, mental and physical and emotional. But we're certain, we're certain about God's purpose. That he has favor, mercy, love for us that is so great that nothing would he hold back from us. And that's how it's pictured for us, you know, in, in many different places here and elsewhere in the scripture. His love is so great that he would give Jesus. What will he withhold? What would he hold back from us? What strains are too great for God to lift? If God would do this, there's nothing held in reserve. With Jesus, we will never be back on trial. With Jesus, we will never be back under the, the you know, curse uh, and the demonic powers of this world. With Jesus, never threatened. Not again. Because he lives forever and he reigns as the head of his church. He is the, bride, uh, the, the bridegroom that protects this church in purity and that brings her to the wedding feast. Jesus delivering the sure inheritance, immortality, and life eternal. Praise God. We are the, 
we went from the objects of his wrath and just judgment to justified in the objects of his never-ending favor. Thank God for the Christ who is both God and man. Thank the Father for sending Jesus to rescue us from our sins. Thank you, God, that you would punish him so that we would no longer be punished and for his resurrection that we share. Our guilt removed, our sins taken away. People who were empty, now flooded with mercy. In him, the words of Psalm 23 have become true. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. True for us, true for all those who have believed and put their faith in Jesus. We're unshaken, unshaken now in Jesus, ready, ready for whatever happens in this world and anchored with the knowledge of his redemption. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we, we marvel at the wonders of this gospel. That we were not the objects of your favor, but objects of wrath. That we were completely astray and enemies of the cross. And when we had nothing to commend ourselves... You poured out your favor to us. You saw us with, a, with the eye of, of love and forgiveness to redeem us, ready to pay an extravagant price, even the very life of your son Jesus, his body, his blood, as our ransom. Lord, we stand in awe of you that your love and your mercy have prevailed, that your justice is in no way tarnished or broken, but satisfied, that the condemnation that once was on us, Lord, that you have paid it completely, and the debt of our sins is forgotten. What a, what a gift and a wonder to know Jesus in his crucifixion where your mercy in its fullness, all of your mercy, and where your justice in its completion, all of your justice is satisfied. This is uh, the incredible focal point of our salvation, the supreme center, the preeminent Jesus, above all and over all, our Savior and our King.